The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, To you who hear, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who persecute you, pray for those who mistreat you. To the person who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other one as well. And from the person who takes your cloak, do not withhold even your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from the one who takes what is yours, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And even you do good to those who do and if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend money to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But rather love your enemies and do good to them and lend, expecting nothing back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Stop judging, and you will not be judged. Stop condemning, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and the gifts will be given to you. A good measure. Packed together, shaken down, and overflowing will be poured into your lap. For the measure with which you measure will in return be measured out to you. The Gospel of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I know for myself... Human relationships are difficult. Now, some are easier than others. Some, you know, it's not that I don't have any good human relationships, right? Uh, But overall, family is often messy, right? Um, With relationship with friends, with brothers and sisters, with your parents, at times can be better or worse. But we all have relationships, hopefully in our lives, that are good and and relationships in our lives that are difficult. And that's nothing new in the modern era of having difficult of relationships with Facebook and everything else. We've always had difficulty in human relationships because it's difficult as a human with free choice and with free individual beings to communicate and to be in, in relationship. We kind of have the history in some ways, uh, kind of the difference in the second reading, it talks about Adam the natural and the new Adam, Jesus Christ. And we sometimes rely our relationship on God and others through Adam's example instead of Jesus's example. What do I mean? Well, Adam, we kind of know Adam really well. And of course, why do we know Adam? Well, of course, he's the one who sinned first, right? He's the one who messed it all up for us, right? Well, when he sinned, he did what we normally do when we break a relationship or or do something wrong. 
He didn't go to God and say, I'm sorry. He hid. Now you'd think, okay, well then what's God's response in that, right? God was the one who was kind of offended in in him not paying attention to the laws. And God had to seek Adam out. Sought him out not so that he could arrest him and punish him, but sought him out so that he could start to build back that relationship that Adam had broken. It's interesting. God knew that Adam had sinned, but yet he still sought him out. And that's often sometimes our own relationship, is when we break, we sometimes hide like Adam, but yet God seeks us out. And in love, others seek us out. And hopefully in love, we seek other people out. But then the human relationship kind of continues, and it doesn't get any better. Because Adam and Eve have two boys who, of course, fight and bicker. But it gets a little bit bad. Cain kills Abel, because Abel seems to have slighted Cain in some way. We realize that, you know, we sometimes hear the expression, an eye for an eye, right? Kind of, if somebody does something to me, I'll do something back to them. Well, we realize that wasn't always the case. In fact, in ancient times, it wasn't an eye for an eye. It was an eye for a head. It was, you do something to me, and I need to do something to you even greater. If you dishonor me, I'll destroy you. I'll kill you and destroy your whole village, right? I mean, it it wasn't, uh, in fact, an eye for an eye was a monumental leap forward in ethics and relationship of being mistreated, in the midst of all this, because it says that you can only take an eye if you lose an eye. You can't take anything more. And that's a monumental leap forward to how humans often interact. But of course, Jesus comes and he says, well, even sinners will sometimes abide by that law, right? They'll love those who love them. They'll do good to those who do good to them. But I tell t- say to you, Do good to those who do evil to you, right? Pray for those who mistreat you. And our culture as a whole is so incredibly formed by this understanding of mercy and forgiveness, which isn't about an eye for an eye, but is about a relationship of mercy and forgiveness. But I think our culture as a whole, although the West is very much formed by it, we sometimes take it for granted and don't realize what we as Christians are actually called to in this mercy and forgiveness. According to just natural reasoning, mercy and forgiveness fit within justice. So we don't even have to be Christian to be able to understand the use of mercy and forgiveness in a kind of uh, utilitarian, practical way. One kind of big example that I always like to kind of think about is the difference between World War I and World War II. After World War I, the loser, Germany, was severely punished, right? An eye for an eye. And we need to make them pay. Well, that led to a depressed Germany, which led to the rise of Adolf Hitler in World War II. 
World War II, we took a different strategy. We took a strategy of forgiveness and mercy and actually wanting what's best for the other person for us, right? And we poured money into Germany and Japan and made them our closest allies. Two completely different situations of responding to mistreatment, to evil. One responds with more evil, and the other responds to a world that is reconciled, which we can see the benefit of, right? Another kind of very common thing that we know is, uh, I, I like this kind of meditation, is someone does something wrong to you and you have a resentment against them, it sometimes eats you up. And it's kind of like drinking poison yourself and expecting it to hurt the other person. Not going to hurt the other person. You're just hurting yourself out of the resentment and everything else that you're carrying around. So it makes sense to forgive and let that go from a personal perspective, right? And all of those, those kind of examples, I think are very good for us to realize the importance of mercy and forgiveness in our life. But I want to take a step even further here. Jesus doesn't say that to reconcile or give mercy or pray or do good for others or lend to others or give to others because it'll work out better for you. In fact, he says the exact opposite. Sinners will do that if they get something out of it, right? They get something back. But I tell to you, do good to your enemies, even if you get nothing back. Lend, even though you expect, and even though you might know that you might not get anything back. Jesus calls us not to approach mercy and forgiveness in a utilitarian or practical way, but he calls us to approach mercy and forgiveness in the way that he himself gives it to us. We should always have an awareness of what kind of love and mercy the Father has for us. That he sought out Adam even though that he sinned. We look at Jesus Christ and he died for us not because we did something that was good. We started to show improvement, right? Once, once we started to show improvement, then he came and was able to help us, right? We sometimes put conditions on our mercy and forgiveness. God doesn't do that. He doesn't place conditions on his mercy and forgiveness. He doesn't do it in a practical or utilitarian way of what he gets out of it. Instead, he freely bestows it on us because he loves us. And so Jesus, when he came, suffered and died for us while we were yet sinners. While we were yet enemies of God, he was willing to suffer and die for us. Not because he knew that any of us would respond, right? We have free will. It doesn't, none of us were going to necessarily respond. But yet, he died for us anyways. Because he loved us. Because these aren't just words that he used in a nice way. But these are words that he lived out in his life. One of my favorite images 
of this radical mercy and love, which I think is most especially indicated or distinguished by its suffering. The image that I always love is the sacred heart. And a lot of you can't see it, but we have a beautiful stained glass window in this church up in this side. On this side, we have the Immaculate Heart, and on that side, we have the Sacred Heart. It's a beautiful stained glass window. I wish, I wish we could see it easier, but you can't. So maybe after Mass, you can, you can go up and look at it. We also have a, a statue of the Sacred Heart as you're coming in the main entrance over there. And if you look at the Sacred Heart, all the Sacred Hearts images have Jesus Christ who is risen from the dead. You see marks in his hand because he's already suffered for us. He's already given his life for us. And we see his heart. His heart has a cut in it. It's bloody, but it's on fire. It has a crown of thorns and still suffers, but yet continues to offer it to us. See, our reaction when we're hurt or mistreated is to retreat into ourselves, to hide, to try to keep ourselves safe from being hurt again. And it would make sense if Jesus, when he is hurt, right, by us, by our sin, that he would take his heart and actually put it into his, into his body, right, behind his rib cage, which is meant to protect your heart, right, and keep that safe so that we can't hurt it anymore. Instead, what he does is he offers his heart, he suffers for us, and then he continually offers his heart to us. Now, he doesn't wear his heart on his sleeve, right? Not everything hurts him and whatever else. He wears his heart on his chest, suffering out of love for us, always there, infinitely merciful, not because he gets anything out of it, but because he loves us. And he wants to be in relationship with us. We ourselves in our relationship and mercy and forgiveness are often more formed by Adam and the way of the world and the remnants of Christianity in a utilitarian way of mercy and forgiveness. Jesus is calling all of us to be formed not by the world, but to be formed by the mercy and the love of God the Father. We ourselves come here today to worship, to be united with Him, to to receive His grace, because guess what? It's difficult to suffer and to pray for those who mistreat you. But yet that is the love that we're called to do. I want to take a moment right now, and I hope as I've been speaking about that, as we're speaking about relationships, you know, enemies, mistreatment, that hopefully some people came to mind. Just want you to think right now. Is there somebody that, you know, right now is really difficult to forgive? Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a parent who's maybe already passed away. Is there somebody in your life, in your relationship, 
that you're having difficulty with. Now for each one of you, that might be a different place, right? Different places of forgiveness, different places of mistreatment. But I want us to just think about that. That person who's hurt you, do you want to forgive them? That's a first question. Do you want to forgive them? And some people say no, right? And that's, that's a realistic statement. But can we pray that we might want to forgive that person, right? Just take that step back, right? Maybe I'm not ready to forgive that person, but maybe I'm ready to start praying about that. Okay, there. That's the first step. Let's start moving in that direction. Maybe you are ready to forgive them, but you've set certain conditions on that forgiveness, right? I want to forgive them, but I want them to, to, to be back in relationship with me. I want them to do what, what they should have done from the beginning, right? Well, that's not... That's kind of conditions on it. That's what you get out of it. Now, I'm not saying that you should just be pushed around. There are certain situations and certain relationships of abuse where that relationship has been broken and, and you shouldn't be back in the same relationship. I don't like the idea of forgive and forget because realistically, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is suffering in that relationship, but sometimes acknowledges that that relationship can't be healed completely in that. But in a lot of relationships... We set conditions on, the, on it. What kind of conditions are maybe you setting on that? When we pray for them, I love that. Pray for those who mistreat you. What do we pray for them about? Do we just pray that they might get their act together, right? So that they might be able to be a good brother again or whatever. Or do we pray what's best for them? The greatest good that we can pray for them is that they might make it to heaven. That they might do what is right and good for them and for their relationship with God and with one another. How do we pray for them? And lastly, are you willing to suffer in that mercy and forgiveness? Are you willing to suffer in that? That's, I think, the distinguisher between ordinary mercy and forgiveness of a utilitarian, or are we approaching this with the grace of God in abound, uh, abundant mercy and forgiveness and love? In the Our Father, that we pray at every Mass, we pray a dangerous line Forgive us our trespasses as. We forgive those who trespass against us. Do we forgive those who trespass against us? The Father desires to forgive us of all things. Desires to be in relationship with us. Seeks us out and is willing to suffer for us. Are we willing to respond in kind with His grace and His mercy... To live a full life not rooted in the old Adam, but instead the new Adam of Jesus Christ in his love and his heart.
for us.